What's up, y'all? What's up, Brian? What's up, bro, my brother? How are you? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. I cannot complain, brother. I cannot complain. How's everything going your way? Everything's good. Awesome. Just wanted to get you in here. Yeah. Get man. you on an Instagram battle at some point. A lot of people have been requesting Rodney Jerkins. Yeah. Let's make that happen right now. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. We're we, we going to make it happen. Um, yeah? We're going to make it happen. We've been, we've been talking throughout the week, and, um, you know, we're going to make it happen. We're just waiting on... Um, Waiting on Swiss to give the proper um the date and we're gonna make it happen. As, as you can see though, Babyface and Teddy Riley's happening on the eighteenth. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So you know that a, a you know a, a a Beacock Stark Child thing is gonna happen, you know, soon. That you know, because you know, um if Babyface and Teddy doing, you know we gotta do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be, you know, we're gonna be, you know, just just waiting on Swiss to give us the date and we're gonna be we're gonna be on a on a popping. No, I think it's a great thing for R&B. I was a little skeptical at first, but then when I saw Jonte versus Neil, it was such a great reminder to the hits that they've created throughout the years, and I think that's necessary for R&B. 100%. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see what you and Rodney do together, but mm, yeah. really want to get this started. I mean, we just did an interview with you probably about a month ago. Yeah. So there's not a lot that's new, but I really want to remind people of the stuff that you've done. So we're going to go from top to bottom, from beginning to end. Okay, how do you want to do it, man? This is going to be extensive, I'm telling you. But I want to start off, just to let you know that it's going to be a different type of interview. Okay. We're going to start off by talking about one of your favorite albums of all time. Can we talk about that Frankie album, My Heart Belongs oh, to Oh, man, Jesus Christ. One of the greatest, you know, uh, unsung R&B records um, of, of my time. You know, a lot of us creatives um, look to that record. I mean, Chucky's, you know a huge inspiration uh, to all of us, really. You know what I mean? Chucky, you know, I mean, if anybody got, if anybody has anything to say different that, you know, from our generation, they tripping. Chucky Thompson is somebody who laid the groundwork, you know, and uh, we follow, we follow his lead. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, um, you know, he produced that whole album. No, Chucky Thompson. Somebody said Booker. I'm talking about Chucky Thompson. Um, so, you know, Chucky Thompson, that's an album that was on his label, Chuck Life Epic, back in like what ninety. That and um, I was super excited to to get the project because I saw that he would he did the whole thing, but uh, but uh, hold on, I was disappointed to see you know the 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 project not do what it you know what we what I feel like mm -hmm. it should you know what we all feel like it should have done but it's one of my favorite right. joints like top to finish it's, it's one of the joints you put on it's it, it's comparable to me kind of like how Daniel Jones where I want to be was you just kind of put it on and just ride to it from top to finish uh, Daniel Jones has some smashes on his album though uh, you know, I don't know why Epic couldn't get couldn't get that Frankie album off you know off the ground, but it, it, I, I love that album. That's one of my favorite albums I, I still listen to to this day for inspiration. You know what I mean? And in that record that Faith did the background vocals on? Which one? Um, her background vocals? Um, she, oh, what was that? She worked on a couple of them. Because Mary was a on couple, All yeah. I Do Is Think of You Anytime. Yeah. So Mary was on yeah. that one. And uh, Faith was on, uh, there was a record. Uh, what record was Faith on? I forgot the song she was on that album. Hold on, let me. Yeah. Let me look it up because I got I got it in I got it in my iTunes. So, let me see. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what's going on with my dang thing? Hold on, here we go. I forgot what song it was, but it was uh, Frankie. Oh, let me let me search. It this was up, uh, 
was it Dear Love? Dear Love, I think was, it was. Dear yeah. Love, Dear Love yeah. was fire. Yeah, the whole album was, was crazy. My, my yeah, I think one twelve wrote that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One twelve wrote a lot of songs that we don't, that people don't really yeah. know. One twelve, you know, right. they, 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 they pen was crazy. Well, still, you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, man, yeah. that's a great yeah. album to start with, though. That, that that album definitely inspired me early on. Well, I, I think I want to bring up that album just because we're in a time where really no one has anything going on. So might as well go back, search up some R&B that you haven't heard before, and you might discover some gems, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure if that album is even available on, like, streaming networks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had, I had I had the CD, so I was able to put 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 this album in my computer. And that's why I have it in my iTunes. Right. I'm not even, I'm, I think the album's so out of print, it's not even, you can't even get it on streaming services. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, So exactly. you have to, if you want to look up Frankie's, um, Frankie's album, um, the name of the album is called My Heart, and you can look it up on YouTube. A lot of the songs on YouTube, actually the album is on YouTube, but you know, yeah, yeah. Go listen to that album, man. It's a great album produced by Checky Thompson. You know, Faith Evans, Mary J. Blige, One Twelve. It's all over that album. Uh, Stevie J's yeah. on that album. I mean, it's definitely one of them, one of them unsung, you know, R and B bad boy hitman albums that you know people. Right. If you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yep, exactly. Well, let's get started with your career. A lot of people know you started out as an intern at Noontime. Yeah. Kind of worked their way up from there. So I want to ask, first of all, when you got to Noontime, you had already been producing there. Mm -hmm. So, but who was the first creative? Because Noontime was, you know, Teddy Bishop, mm -hmm. J Dub, Dante was there, Jazzy Casey Faye. Brothers, Jazzy Faye. A lot of guys. Ideal was there. Yep. Yeah, so Teddy when you Bishop. got to Noontime. Who was the first producer or songwriter when you watched them work that made you say, I got to get to that level? I'm not there yet. I got to get mean, to that shit. level. I mean, I walked in knowing that I was, you know, walking into a learning situation. You know, my first meeting uh, at noontime when I met about the internship, I met with Christopher Hicks, who's still my manager to this day. This is 20 mm -hmm. some years later. Um, Chris, uh, before Chris got there, well, there was a producer who's my dear friend to this day by the name of K-Fam. And K-Fam, who signed a new time, he was in there working on a track. So the, from the first day, you know, I'm listening to the quality of music he's making. And I'm like, yo, man, I got to get on my, you know, I, I got to get on my shit. You know what I'm saying? And um, so from the very first day, I was in a space where I got, you know, I, I, I wanted to get better, right? And then... I got a chance to sit in the studio with Jazzy Faye on, on, on many occasions early on. You know what I mean? Teddy Bishop early. Teddy Bishop was extremely a person who was extremely gracious. Jazzy too. Uh let me sit in on sessions. He even showed me some things on the drum machine and stuff like that that I didn't know. Um and Teddy just, you know, Teddy Bishop was just could sound was so crisp and clean and, you know what I mean? Just it popped and I was like, man, I need to get my my stuff to sound like that. And then um naturally when I met J Dub. Um, you know, my first day ever meeting him, he came from, he was, I guess, in New York working with Puff and he came back and uh, I was in the middle of a session. I was, I also was recording engineer, you know what I mean? So I was engineering uh, a session for Eric Robeson and um, who was, you know, who a lot of people know as the phenomenal artist now, but at the time, Eric Robeson was really writing a bunch of, you know, records for, a lot of different people at the time back back I believe this was like 97 98 um and uh J Dub came in and he put a daddy in and he played like five tracks of completely 
you know, blew me away. You know, him and Stevie was up there, him and Stevie J were making tracks together and it was just ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I always knew, always, you know, I was, the, the bar was set pretty high from the time I walked into the door. You know, and I was coming from uh, my mentor by the name of Greg Curtis, who was so incredible. Um, and he taught me uh, as much as he could teach me. <clears throat> and I took all the knowledge and came to Atlanta. And so I had a base, you know what I'm saying, to start yeah. with. But um, I mean, Greg's music was so beyond what I was making at the time. I was I was, I was a kid, you know what I mean, like a, like a young kid, and you know, uh, working at the Guitar Center, and you know what I mean. So yeah. it's it, it it just all the bar was set high, and I knew that I had to step up to the challenge, and I I did, you know what I mean, I really did, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now. During that time, a lot of the records that did come out, like the Ideal Records, um, I would say that the sound, in terms of the synergy at Noontime, a lot of what you guys were putting out, it didn't necessarily sound the same as what you know each producer did at that time, yeah. at Noontime, but it sounded a little bit similar. So just talk about that synergy during that time between you guys. Well, we, I mean, we, were, we were a proper team. Like, we properly, yeah. you know, was around each other, every day, all day, you know, we were exchanging sounds, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'd take Jazzy Zip Disc and, you know, he'd take my Zip Disc. I'll sam- you know, I'll spend some time sampling drums. They'll make drums. Dent, Dent will have a disc roaming around the studio. Like, everybody was, was we were all sharing drums and, and sharing sounds and collaborating with another. So, one another. That, so that's what created the linear, you know what I mean, sound. Now, yeah. everybody had a different edge to them. Like, Jazzy's edge yeah. was a little more harder, a little more hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Um, 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 Teddy's sound was cleaner. He yeah. was, he was, Teddy was more, uh, cause he was like the OG, you know what I'm saying? Of the crew, um, yeah. just mentality wise, because he had been with Tim and Ted and did the face records and worked on Tony's first album. So his, he had a different mentality, a different approach to production. Very, very, he comes from the school of LA and Babyface. So he is a, he had a very, very, um, different approach to making records, a very organized approach to making records. Um, and, um, you know, I was just the young guy, you know what I'm saying? The baby of the crew um, of producers. Jante was the baby, but he was way more experienced than I was because Jante had been placing records since he was 14 years old. So, <laughs> so, um, but I was the, I was the, I was the baby of the producers and, um, they, they were all like my big brothers and we, we, they, you know, that's, that synergy, that, that's how that synergy was created. You know what I'm saying? Right. So one of the key moments during that noontime era, you guys worked with Aaliyah. Yeah. Just coming off of one in a million, Timbaland and Missy literally changed the sound of R&B with that sound. Yeah. You guys come in, you work with Aaliyah. What's your approach knowing that these producers have changed the game. How did you guys approach that rec- those records that you guys did? We weren't going into the we weren't going into it thinking that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we were going into it like it's an opportunity. You know, at, at that point we had worked with, you know, we had worked with a bunch of people. So yeah. um, that have worked with that worked with incredible producers before us. So for us, that wasn't the that wasn't the mentality. Like, oh my God, we got to do better than over. over we're coming behind. You know. Mm-hmm. Tim and Missy, that that wasn't our our um thought process. Our thought process was we're gonna go in and do us and hopefully she liked the joints. You know what I'm saying? Um and I remember um we went to New York 
and we were working at Sony Studios, we were working at Chun King Studios, and um, and we, you know, it was. Oh, are we good? Where we? At? Oh yeah, you got it. Okay, um, we we got a yeah. chance to bond with her, build with her, and um, and we we made some really really great records. And her and Jante had you know incredible synergy, incredible chemistry, um, um, and you know, just oh, just an angel. You know, vocally on point. You know, very professional. Very you know she she knew her. She knew herself as an artist, you know, kind of like, you know, how, how people, you see Rihanna, you know that Rihanna understands who she is as an artist, you know what I'm saying? Full, full on, Aaliyah yep. knew exactly who she was as an artist, what she wanted, you know, she was very, very no-nonsense about the records she wanted to cut, and, you know, um, and with the help of my, my manager, Chris, Chris Hicks, he was really in there quarterbacking and... You know, throwing records their way, records they probably didn't think about doing, he would send their way. Um, so, you know, myself, John Tay, Teddy Bishop, Donnie Scans, Jazzy Faye, um, Chris Hicks, you know, we, we were able to really pull together uh, uh, some great songs for Aaliyah, you know, and the synergy was right. You know, we didn't, we didn't go in there with the thought process of like, oh, Oh my God! You know what I mean. I will say that I was a little. I was. I was. You know. I. I rarely get starstruck. You know what I mean. Yeah. I would say one of the three times I got starstruck was Aaliyah was definitely one of them times. I had to kind of get myself together and go, go get a shot of tequila and just kind of take the edge off. You know what I mean before the session. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But, but um, it was a great experience, man. I. I you know. I. I kind of wish we would have been more. You know. I, I wasn't really into taking a bunch of pictures and shit back then. You know what I mean? We all have a camera on our phone now. Um, yeah. I wasn't really, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I never wanted to like bombard artists like, oh, take a picture with me, this, that, and the third. You always wanted things to be like organic and shit. You know what I'm saying? And right. um, and uh, I regret not, you know, because you always think, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this project and then we're going to do another one. You know what I mean? We had great synergy. Yeah. We're going to have another opportunity, and uh, and we would have had another opportunity. It just you know it didn't yeah. happen. You know the the, the universe um, had something different. You know what I mean? But I got my memories, and me and Chante share stories. Me, Chante, Tr, who's a part of my management team at the time, we share all you know incredible stories um, about how you know what happened during those couple of weeks we were in New York working with Aaliyah. It was amazing, man. An amazing right. process. Amazing songs that came out of that too, and then another project we got to talk about J Heartbreak. We yeah. talked a lot about project you and I back and forth. You guys yeah. weren't going into that project thinking that it was going to be an album. You guys were writing songs for other people. Yeah. Now, an approach like that does that. That how is that process like? You know, just making songs without the thought that it's going to be on an album. Is it more fun? Is it more creative that way, or is it the same? I, I, the the best way to describe is that Brian and Brandon Casey are masterful songwriters, right? They're like, you know, when I got in the studio with them, it really it really progressed my production in a way uh, uh, that I couldn't, you know, I, I would always, I will always give them ultimate credit for that because they're just masterful songwriters. They're just the melodies and they sound so mm -hmm. great singing. And so that's the thing. Okay, for example, you know, there are a lot of writers who have this who have this problem, right? It's a great thing, but it's also somewhat of a problem, right? When you sound so good on the demo, 
mm-hmm. that the artist can't find themselves inside of the song. Yeah. All right. So the best approach when me and Jagger were right for other people, I found out down the line would be if we were in the studio with that artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Playing a Jack, playing a Brian and Brandon Casey demo for uh, for artists that may be insecure about their vocals, you know what I'm saying? They're going yeah. to run from it. You know what I'm saying? Because it just sounds already finished. It sounds, you know what I'm saying? It sounds like it should be on the radio already. Um, yeah. Another person that has that 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 dilemma or used to have that, that dilemma um, back in the day we were working together was Tank. Tank, mm-hmm. we would do demos, and Tank, which is sounds so good on the demo yeah. that artists would be like, well, I, I, I'm not singing after him. It was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Tank, obviously, throughout the years, found his his lane and and how to how to make a demo for an artist and how to make a record for Tank. Um, and I think Brian and Brandon Casey eventually figured that out too. But in those yeah. days, we weren't even we were just making records. And I think when Jermaine heard the songs, he was like, you know, shit, this sounds like an album. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what that conversation, because they went to go meet with him. I didn't even go meet with him. I had never met JD at the time. You know what I'm saying? So we made the songs. They went to go meet with him. They were like, yeah, we're going to play some songs for him because we, we want to get on. You know, Escape Got Album coming out. Usher working on an album. They were just talking about all the people that Jermaine was working with. We're going to try to, you know, to make it happen. And then they came back after the meeting, like, well, we're making an album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, okay, let's make an album. You know nice. what I mean? And uh, they were like, yo, JD wants to meet you. And just then a third. And I went and met, you know, I met him at um, Trina Broussard had a showcase at Rio Mall. You know, anybody from Atlanta, the old Rio Mall is on Ponce, Ponce back in the day. Um, they used to have a, a, Chris Tucker had a comedy club in this mall. It's crazy. Big ass comedy club in this mall. And uh there was a social depth showcase for Trina Broussard at this at this club. And um and we went to the showcase and um and I met him briefly after the showcase. You know, he was like, yo, you did some songs. I was like, yeah, he was like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he walked off right. So I was like, okay, what I don't know what that means. And then like maybe a month or two later, he called my house. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to get this um, this album finished, and I was like, "Okay, let's go." You know what I mean? And my, I didn't, I didn't have a car at the time. I was, um, I was my my girlfriend at the time. She had a car, so she was the one kind of taking me around. And then, uh, so when the, when the thing with Jermaine started, um, the first day, my managers, you know, the whole noontime team took me. So Chris, Ryan, Nooney, and Tr drove me all the way to College Park, um, to the house to meet JD and JD was in a session with somebody at the time. And uh, we hung out for a little bit and we talked about music and he told me, you know, what he wanted and he, what songs he liked um, that we did already. And then he was like, you know, I, I, I want you to come back tomorrow and we're going to start finishing the album. Now I thought there was going to be one isolated situation. Mm. You know what I mean? I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Jermaine's house. We're going to work on this Jag- this J heartbreak album. And that's going to be it. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that he had like, you know what I'm saying? Plans right. for for us to work together more. I just thought, okay, yeah, we're gonna finish this album. It's gonna be great. You know what I mean? And yes. um, the the next day, I came back, and the very first song we wrote was "Keys to the Range." Mm. And 
it was the fastest I ever seen like a song get recorded, mixed, and then put out. Because we were we did we made the song, and then at the at the time, um, what's the movie? Into Deep. Mm-hmm. All right. So Into Deep, Jermaine was in that movie. If y'all remember, he's he's a he's a Melvin. <laughs> he's the one who got beat. He he got beat up by Omar Epps and stuff. You know, he tried to rob Omar Epps outside smoking weed. So Melvin, he was in the movie. So. Um, he was like, yeah, we're going to get his song to uh, the movie, Keys to the Range. So next thing I know, like maybe three three weeks to a month later, um, the song was out and the movie right. was out and it was the first single from the soundtrack. I'm like, oh, snap. You know what I mean? Um, and um, and uh, then that song started p- picking up steam. He's like, okay, we got to we got to finish. Got to make more songs. So then we made we made um, I think we made Did She Say Next. Mm-hmm. And then we made, he wanted to make a ballad. He was like, yo, can you come with some church sounding chords or whatever? And uh, so I started coming up with some chords. And while I'm coming up with chords, he starts singing the hook. Wow. For Let's Get Married. Your man wrote the hook for Let's Get Married. And um, it was my first time ever, like, seeing him write, like, mm-hmm. write a song. So kind of threw me off because Jermaine's not a singer, right? So right. it kind of, it kind of was like, yo, what's, he just started singing out loud. I'm like, I'm like what the hell? You know, for me, I'm a jokester, so to me, I'm like over there, like laughing and shit. But then the shit ended up becoming like, <laughs> like well, a huge ass record, <laughs> right? But then I, I'll never forget. Brandon Brandon came over, and they were just like they understood, yeah, because they've been working. They worked with him on jagged on the jagged era, and worked with him on other stuff before, so they knew his level of like writing ability and knew that he was, you know, I, I wasn't aware. I'm gonna keep it real. I just always thought JD was like this rapper, producer type, you know what I mean? Person. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how passionate um he he is. But at the time I, I didn't know how passionate he was uh for R and B. Like as a writer, like he wrote all them songs. Like people don't realize that like, Jermaine wrote just kicking it. He yeah. wrote all them escape songs. He wrote them Usher songs. Like he wrote You Make Me Wanna like wrote it. Like Sex Beat right. is out right now. Like Jermaine wrote Sex Beat. Like Lil yeah. did the beat. JD wrote. Like JD's passion for R&B music. Um, I think people understand. Like it's actually to me it surpasses his passion for hip hop. Even though he'll probably argue argue yeah. that his passion <laughs> for hip hop. You know what I mean? But I believe that his passion for R&B is definitely supersedes his passion mm-hmm. for hip hop because Jermaine okay. is, Jermaine wants to write songs every day. And all the songs he wants to write are fucking singing. R&B. <laughs> he, always, he always wants to write R. He, he wants to write R&B songs every day. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, I learned a valuable lesson because I was just like, "Yo, like this guy loves R&B." And I mean, we had a conversation. I asked him because whenever I, whenever I'm around people who are legends or people who are you feel like you should learn from, you know, you got to ask the questions. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. while we're making "Let's Get Married." Right, um, we make the song. He writes the hook, and then um, Jagged, Brian and Brandon come over and they do the verses and the bridge and all that. Right. So while they're in there writing, me and your manager's out there talking, playing pool, whatever. Right. And I asked him, I was like, "Yo, man, you know, you always gotta ask the proper questions." So um, after being with him for a few days and realizing his writing skill, his writing, how he writes. Saying, I, it hit me. I was like, "Oh, he wrote all the. Like, it means he wrote all this usher shit. Like, I could tell the mm. cadences. It's all right, him, right." So I asked him. I was like, "Yo, man, what was your approach? You know what I'm saying? 
Like, what was your approach to Usher? Like, how? How did you fix that? You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, how did you crack the code? And he was like, you know what, man? He said something to me that really blew my mind. He was like, yo, I oh, he was like, if he was going to be a singer, he would be a nigga like Bobby Brown. <laughs> he was like, man, I love Bobby Brown. That nigga was raw. He, you know, just, he just like, so if, so he's like, I'm not a singer though. You know what I'm saying? So for me, the only thing I thought about was while we make an Usher record, it's like I'm, I would write an, I would write an album as if I was singing it. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. Bobby Brown was his like his his like inspiration. You know what I'm saying? So records yeah. like My Way and like all that stuff sounds like Bobby Brown. If you think about mm -hmm. it, the, the, the actual Rap, content, yeah. you know what I mean, of the music, just like me, like all those records have that Bobby you know, energy to it. You know what I'm saying? Nice and slow, all of that. So I, I you always ask questions. Like you have to ask, you know, if you're ever around somebody like a Jermaine Dupree or like a Jimmy and Terry or like a Babyface in LA or Teddy Riley um, or even a Chucky Thompson or Stevie J, you ask, you ask the fucking questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you, ask, you, know, you know what I mean? You got to ask the questions, so. Right. Someone had told me, I don't know who it was, I don't know if this is true, so I need your confirmation on this. The record, I Don't Wanna, from the hard album from Jagged Edge, was that created during the J.E. Heartbreak yeah. era? Yeah, It was, right? Yeah. That's one of the first songs we did, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite Jagged record right there. What happened with that? Why was it on hard? Well, because when Noontime had a, had, a, um, had a label deal, they had two label deals. Okay. They had a deal with Epic and they had a deal with Atlantic, and they had a group called Absolute. Um, mm, yep. And so we would make records. A lot of the songs we would make, we were making for, they, they, would, they would say, okay, we want these three songs for Absolute. Or we want, you know, so they, basically they had their pick of the letter. If I was in one room working with Jagged and we made 10 songs, right? They would come in and say, okay, yo, Cox, y'all got 10 songs. Let, let's get four songs for Absolute. You know what I'm saying? So what happened was we were, um, I don't want to was supposed to be on Jay Heartbreak. And this is before I like me and Jermaine met. He had heard the song and was like, yo, they told me that he said it was gonna be their first single, right? So yeah. I remember me and my manager got into a, a heated argument. I mean, Chris have only gotten into about maybe three arguments out of our 22 year, 23 year relationship. You know what I'm saying? This was one of the three. We got into an argument about um absolute having this song over Jagged Edge. I'm like, yo, Jagged Edge are coming out. They're on, they're on social depth. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah. this makes way more sense than putting this on. We've given absolute 30 songs. Like, let's give this song to, to, to Jagged. And we had a wild argument, and my, my manager Chris was like, yo, you think you think he's going to let you out the first single? Yo, on his label? On his group? I mean, I mean we, we, were going, we were going back and forth, and then you know, I kind of just was like, well, man, I'm not going to argue no more about this. You know what I mean? If you guys want them to keep the song, they can keep the song. You know what I mean? Right. And that day, let me tell you what's ill. That day that we let I Don't Want to Go, right? That day that I, I, after two hours of arguing, I let it go. I left Chris's office, walked to this, because the office was next to the studio, like they were connected. Went to my room, and we made He Can't Love You. Mm. Nice. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it ended up working out because he can't love you and it'll be in the first single. And right. You know what I mean? It ended up working yeah. out. But only because I don't wanna was we were, we were fighting for the song and um 
and Noontime won. You know, I mean, granted, you know, we, you know, Absolute had a, had a had an incredible album. Actually, I don't know if you are you familiar. You're familiar with Absolute, are you? Of course. Of course. The song yeah. that we did. So we ended up, and we ended up giving us some songs like me and Donnie and the Twins. We did um, we did a song called "Is It Really Like That?" You know, Jagged Edge wrote mm -hmm. that. I mean, Brian and Brandon wrote that song. So it's like basically. Right. Tip for tap. We did a lot of songs for them. I did a record called I Saw You with my, you know, with a writer I had named Teron that was fire. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, right. you know, absolutely ended up getting some really, really great records, you know what I mean, throughout the process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So let's fast forward a little bit. You talked about your work with Jermaine Dupri. 2001 comes along, 8701 comes out. Mm. Now, you talked about your work with Jagged and JD, but you already had experience working with jagged yeah going into with usher you guys do the mariah record with usher but then you guys go into 8701 okay that's so, that's not your artist like how does that work you know you know what's like, funny though like, sample. When, when we did rainbow when we did um, when we did how much the song um that's usher and mariah yeah um um we i didn't meet us you know i didn't i didn't meet usher at that session i didn't know what she was doing that period mm. um we did that song in 98, right? So I think the song came out in 99. So Mariah came to the house, to Jermaine's house. It's my first time meeting her. And we write the song. Mariah, me and Jermaine write the song. Right. And then, um, you know, of course, Jermaine comes up with the idea, we should make this a duet. Let's put, let's put Usher on here. Because if you notice, Usher's just kind of like ad-libbing throughout yeah. the song. You know what I mean? He has a few lines back, back and forth, but... It's mostly him just kind of just saucing it up, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I was excited that we I had a song with Mar Mariah and Usher. I thought the song was going to, you know, right. I was super excited about that, right? So then when Jermaine moves into the the South Side, when they move into the new studio, yeah. um, the very first session we have is Usher. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um. I, this is the sec. This is the second time I've um, was starstruck because Usher was one of my favorite favorite, probably my favorite artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, like to keep it a hundred, Usher's probably my favorite artist. You know what I'm saying? Um, are we still there? Yeah, we still. Yeah, there. okay. Um, yeah. To keep it a hundred. Um, Usher's my favorite artist. You know what I'm saying? Like his tone, his the, the, his everything about what he stands for as an artist. And me as a songwriter and as a producer, he's a person that it was just like I want to work with him. You know what I mean? Like every, you know, you 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 have a you have a wish list, right? You know what I'm saying? And for me, Usher was like number one. Like I want to work yeah. with this guy. You know what I'm saying? And um, so the first day, uh, we end up having, you know, I learned a valuable lesson. And I think I, I, I tell this story a lot. I think you might even know yeah. this story. Um, yeah. I learned a valuable lesson the first day, the first session that we I had with Usher and Jermaine. Um, we, pat, you know, I learned that the song was in the conversation. I learned that in in order to be an effective producer, you have to find out what is affecting the artist. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, what do they want to talk about? What are they going through? You know what I mean? And I didn't understand what we were doing when he first got there. I didn't understand why we were talking for three hours. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I just, okay, I'm, I'm like, okay, are we going to get started? You know? Um, yeah. And we talked for, we talked for 
like four hours. Really, we talked for a minute. Mm. And through that conversation, a lot of a lot of the songs we wrote for eighty seven oh one um came from those conversations like TTP and U-Turn and If I Want To. A lot of a lot of them songs came from these conversations that we would have every time we'd go to the studio. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, You Got It Bad was the first song that we did the first day that we had a session with Usher in the brand new studio. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I learned a lesson as a songwriter that the songs in the conversation, I, my, the lesson I learned as a producer was a, a, a connected with an artist properly, talking to an artist, getting to get to know an artist, and um, sonically, um, less is more. All right, because mm -hmm. I've I've been being signed a new time. New time is an offshoot of like, you know, uh, 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 of I would say like Bad Boy Hitman, right? You know, right. we 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 were if, if you had to compare crews, you know what I mean? We were like a junior, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot, you know, a lot of what I did as a producer at noon time was orchestration and big ass intros and strings and all putting everything but the kitchen sink in, in a track right yeah. and when when i was we were coming up with the track for let's get i mean i'm, I'm sorry for uh you got it bad i did this i did the 16 bar loop and i had all kinds of shit in it strings and lead lines and wind and all kinds of shit in the track right guitars right. all kinds of stuff and I remember I went to go get JLL JD, man, come listen to these 16 bars. You know what I mean? So he comes and he press play. And he goes and he mutes every sound that I put wow. in there. He just starts muting all the sounds and shit. And the sound, the sounds that he kept in there was the nylon guitar, the wind, and I think like a like a little lead line thing that I did, mm -hmm. right? And then he said, okay, we're gonna start here. And then he put a kick, a snare, a hi-hat, and a shaker in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, so wait a minute. This this entire track is only going to have eight tracks on it or seven or eight tracks. This is what's going on in my mind. I, call, I had yeah. simple swells. Like, if we got all this, this big-ass SSL, boy, we need to use 30 of these tracks. It's my, in my mind, you know what I mean? Right. Let's use all these tracks. And you look at me like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and then if you notice and you got it bad, there's no harmonies in the hook. Mm. Um, there's only harmonies at the like second verse part when it's like, I really adore you when he makes those references to those other two songs. Um, yeah. But there's no harmony in the song. It's just mm -hmm. him singing lead. There might be a stack on the hook. You know what I'm saying? And I remember sitting in the studio saying to myself, he's not going to put no harmonies on this hook. You know? Right. Or we're not going to do, this is it? You know what I mean? And but when it was done, I was just like, oh, this shit is fire. You know what I mean? Right. And I learned a value, like, like I learned such a big lesson. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and I've, I've carried I've carried those two lessons, well, those three lessons with me throughout my whole career. Right. And then that guitar solo at the end, whose idea was that? Because that worked. I don't know why JD. or how, but it worked. JD. It was, yeah. And what's crazy is they wanted, they wanted, uh, they didn't like the guitar solo. Um, ain't fought for the guitar. fought because it, it, they, they were going to take it out. Mm, it's crazy. Mm. <laughs> so you know, 
I might be jumping here, but what I love about your production is that even though you were working with JD at the time, you were still doing your own thing. Yeah. People might not recognize or remember, but you had songs like Forever by Little Mo. Yeah. Amazing song. Another song, Drew Hill's If I Could. If I could, yeah. Amazing, amazing song. And then one of my favorite Beacox beats is ATL's It's Us. Amazing wow. beat. Yeah, you took it back one of my back, favorite. But yeah. one of the records that, that did stand out during that time for me, and I got to ask, Nivea's Don't, we- Don't Mess With My Man. Yeah, a good Why is there a difference between the radio version production-wise versus the version that initially came out? Okay, so don't mess with my man. Okay, Nivea was originally signed to Noontime. Okay. So Dent hand-delivered Nivea to Noontime, and um, they did a deal. You know, they they did a deal with her, and they basically put her in the laps of me and Jagged Edge. So me and Mm -hmm. Brian and Brandon, we were working on, we were basically working on Nivea. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nivea was our project you know what i'm saying right. at noontime so we made i want to say we made about a good 12 songs you know what i mean wow. um for nivia and for whatever reason the deal i mean i don't know the back drop or why the deal fell through um but the deal the deal fell through you know what i mean and nivia ended up leaving and get, and doing a deal at jive i got I, I don't know how the jive thing happened but right. next thing i know she did a deal at jive so when Jimmy Manus was her A&R. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy, uh, I, I had done some work with Jive already, and me and Jimmy had built a relationship. My, my boy Jarrell Allen knew Jimmy, um, Jimmy Manus very well, and, and we connected the dots, and then, you know, me and Jimmy uh, built a, a pretty good relationship. So I don't know who played him the song. Somebody played him the song. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think I played it for him. I think somebody, somebody else played it for him. And... Uh, the original version of that song is the is the is the um the more cleaner version. Yeah. That makes any sense. It, like like the other ver- the version that is the hit, it, it, yeah. it, it has like a more of an edgy thing to it. The drums are different. Yeah. It has the the the, mm-hmm. the message a uh, little bit vent, like it has that little sound in it. And yeah. so what happened was I did that track, the original track, at a certain point yeah. in my career. At mm. some point in my development as a producer, right. By the time they want to put the song out, which was about maybe like a year, maybe two years after I did the original track, right. I didn't know that they were trying to put the song out for real until they were shooting the video. Wow. So I got a call <laughs> like, "Yo, they're down and shooting the video for Don't Mess with My Man." I'm like, "To what track? To the original track?" I was like, "Oh no, 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 no! I got to shoot no. that track." <laughs> So right. I, so you understand, they put the song out. I didn't even know they put the song out, serviced the song to mm-hmm. radio. I didn't know all that. You know what I mean? I just heard they were doing the video to the original version. So I went down to the um I went down to the um video shoot to talk to Jimmy, like Jimmy, listen, please don't put this song out. Don't put this version out. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get the acapella, I'm gonna redo the track. We cannot let it come out this way. But I didn't know that they had already put it out or they had already serviced uh, to the DJs. And back then right. it took time. It took time to get records to the DJs and DJs get to the program directors. Program, you know what I mean? It wasn't like how it is now. You press a button right. and everybody has a record. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I literally went back to the studio that night, made the new track. Yeah. Was like, I couldn't get, I couldn't get, because at the time I was working with Manny Marroquin, um, 
for the mixing, he mixed all my songs back then. I we couldn't I couldn't get him to like I couldn't schedule him fast enough. So it was my first time working with Leslie Braithwaite. And I was like, yo, if if if, if, if I can get a if I can get a um I need to get this mix tonight. You know what I'm saying? So I did the track, we we lined the vocals up, we booked patchworks, I went to patchworks, we mixed, um, don't know, it was all the same night. You know what I'm saying? Mixed the version that you guys hear all the same night. And yeah. then I turned it in the next day. And then they they soon pressed it up after that. But they were already movers. That's why there are two versions. Like you might, you know, type up one. You, you know what I'm saying? There are two versions yeah. because they were already moving with the project. So they just they just slid that other that other version in. You know what I'm saying? Nice. So that's nice. why yeah, that, that, that's that. why there are two versions. Love both versions, actually. So <laughs> I'm glad you do. Cause I was like, man, yep. please don't put this other version out. It was already out. I was like, shit. Uh, it's all good. So want to talk some unreleased stuff here. I don't think this has actually come out, but I was talking to Kiera from Isis. You did their yeah. second album. Yeah. Where's that album? Can I, we hear that album? <laughs> you know, I, I, should, I should produce that. I, I produced so many songs. Yeah. But then I was their A&R. At the time... Wow. I, I worked at Arista. Uh, this is during the time doing, we were making confessions during this time, and Jermaine was the president of uh, mm. Black Music at Arista Records at the time. And um, and um, he hired me, like, yo, he gave me an A&R job, and he gave me a song deal at Arista. So right. um, my um, um, uh, ISIS, I was A&R ISIS with Joey Arbogy. Mm. Um, and uh, I was basically going to LA. I was this is my first time spending like a real a large amount of time in Los Angeles. So I was going to LA working with um, <clears throat> working with Billy Moss. They were signed to this guy named Billy Moss, and making records, making records, pulling records from people, making records. Um, you know, me, Jonte, Howard, Lily. Um, we made some really, really dope records on them. I actually found a couple of those records recently. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do. I'm, you know, I mean, we, you know, I, I may do like a, you know, like a little SoundCloud thing and put some joints out, y'all. You know, from yeah. stuff you guys haven't heard and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so uh, now we're on to 2004, 2005. That era, everything's crazy at this point. You guys are dropping huge hits, record-breaking hits, Confession, yeah. Emancipation of Mimi. Yeah. Talk about that era, the synergy, and just. What's going on in the studio there that makes that so magical, that era? Um, I guess for me, it's I'm I'm going I'm coming into a place where I I feel very confident about what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm coming into a space where I when I walk into the studio, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, versus from ninety eight to about two thousand three, I was still figuring my way around, even though I may hit records during that process, um, I was still trying to figure my way around. You know what I'm saying? Um, by the time we get to 2003, 2004, I know what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? I know when we go in the studio with Usher, I already know what we're doing. Like, it's already, everybody is, everybody's in sync. We all know what we're doing. Everybody's moving. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's when, you know, everything just kind of starts blossoming even more. I mean, at that point, we I had hits. I won a Grammy, well, two Grammys by that by that time. Yeah. Um, but 
it was when I realized, okay, when I, when I walk into this room, I know what I'm doing. This is what we're doing. We, this, this goes there, this goes there. If I'm with JD, JD, what we doing? We're doing boom, 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 boom. Okay, let me know. Okay, this is what I think. I mean, literally at this point, it's a, the flow is just, the, the, creative, yeah. the creative output is just crazy. You know, and, we're, and, and, and now it's just, it's super exciting because I'm seeing, this is when, you know, beforehand you, 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 you're concerned about if a record's going to come out, you may make a record and hopefully yeah. they buy it or hopefully it comes out. At this point, I'd had a lot of releases between the work I was doing with Noontime and the work I was doing with JD. So I knew, like, oh, if I go in the studio, if, I, if I'm in the studio with Jermaine, it's coming out. If I go in the studio with Jante, it's, it's coming out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that was just, <laughs> so when you have that kind of, like, energy, it's just, right. I mean, it's reflected. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we were making confessions. Um, the first song we did for confessions was Burn. Mm. So if you start there, right. I mean, that's where we started. It's like, shit, okay. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, and, and, and I learned a lot more about Jermaine, the storyteller during this period. You know what I mean? And, um, and Jermaine would challenge me to write, like, you know, challenge me, like, yo, man, you need to write. Like, you need to write. You know what I'm saying? And right. so this, this is during a period where he was challenging me, you know, he would, you know, he would be like, Cox, what you got? You know what I mean? And I better have a little something. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that bled over into my other sessions when I would, you know, when I would go do sessions outside of So So Deaf. Um, that energy bled into my other sessions, which is why those other songs, like Little Most Forever and things like that, just started kind of popping off. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that that burn sound, Yeah. it it led to so many great R&B songs. True Love by Faith Evans is one. Yeah. Still by me. I don't know what the timeline is, but that sound. All, all of that is in the same. It just. Same time. It worked. <laughs> so from there, you collaborate with your cousin, Kendrick. Yeah. yeah. Adonis is in the mix. Yeah. You know, we had talked about just that whole journey. But during that process, one of the records that does come out is Be Without You by Mary J. Blige. Yeah. And what that does for R&B is I think it creates a sound where R&B ballads, piano-based, are able to be first singles, like a B Without mm -hmm. You. Um, so during that time, and I, I can name a million other ones, but during that time, are the labels saying, I need a record like B Without You? Yeah. And how do you react to that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, when you're young like that, and, it, yeah. and you start making a lot of money, and... Um, you feel like well, it worked. It worked. It worked last time. It'll work again. You know what I mean? And uh, and it'll work until it stops working. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have records like, you know, "Be Without You," "Say Goodbye," um, yeah. um, you know, "Walked Out of Heaven." I mean, all this stuff was all around that in two thousand three, two thousand five, two thousand six. Marcus Houston Circle, like all these songs yeah. are in the same kind of, you know, same era, and. Um, you just you just keep going until until it until it stops working. You know what I mean? And uh yeah. and um you know, I just I was just I was working so so much I wasn't even thinking about the time. 
know what I'm saying? It was just like <laughs> the Be Without You thing happened. Me and Jonte made that song. Um, and there's a funny story. Um, I got a call from uh, Kendu Isaacs and Jimmy Iovine, right? Chris calls mm -hmm. me like, yo, Kendu and Jimmy's going to call you. So they call me. And they're like, you know, um, yo, Cox, we need a um, we need a record for Mary. We need like like a rhythmic, you know, um, ballad type situation. This, that, and the third, whatever, whatever. Um, and uh, they kept referencing um, um, Mariah's um, uh, "We Belong Together," right? Right. So I'm on the phone and they keep referencing that song. Like, you know, like how you did when we belong together. And I just think they just automatically assumed that I co-wrote that song because me and Jermaine would co-write a lot of songs together. And I did Shake It Off and Don't Can I Get Your Number and things that I did other songs on the album. Um, yeah. So I let them talk. And at the end of the conversation, I said, well, hey, guys, you know, I hate to be the bear of bad news. I didn't make that song. Mm. <laughs> um, I said, that song was made by Jermaine Dupree, Manuel Seal, and Chante and Mariah. Like, you know, I know all the other songs have my name on it, but that song, That's I didn't right. make that song. And uh, I said, so you might want to call J.D. Emanuel to do this marriage. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't make it, right? So he was just like, okay, well, can you, I mean, can you make it? Can you make me a record? You know, right. else, I, I can make you a record. That's that's easy. What, what, I can make you whatever you want me to make you. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be. I want to put it out there. I don't want nobody. I don't. I don't want word to get back that ain't, that Brian said anything. You know what I mean? I was like, right. I had nothing to do with that song. You know what I'm saying? And um, and um, he was like, all right, well, make make me make me a song. <laughs> like basically, <Right. laughs> make me a song. I said, like, cool, all right. And so I called John Tate. I was like, yo, Johnny, man, I just got the phone with. Now, I, John T and Chris had already been talking. Um, I, right. called, I called John, I called John T. I was like, hey, man, um, um, we need to make a song for Mary. You know what I'm saying? And um, he was like, all right, you know, let's make it. I was like, cool. So I, m I literally made the track in like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. Like I made the track so fast. You know what I'm saying? And was like, I, right, you know, the track is made and I called John to you, I got something, right? right. And then, um, and then um, as I'm finishing up the track, the door of my, my studio room is open, right? Um, Sam is doing his engineering thing, tracking the beat out. And my cousin, Jason Perry walks by the studio. He walks by the room, right? Now I was right. working with Kendrick on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Kendrick, mm -hmm. this particular day, decided to go on a date. He had a date oh. <laughs> the night. We worked right. on a couple of ideas early in the day, but this particular yeah. night, he had a date, right? So my cousin Jason walks by the room, and he peeks his head in, and I'm like, yo, JP, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, he's like, he's like my little brother. So he's like the little brother you always be talking shit to. Right. And, but he's a genius. Jason's like literally a musical genius. I was mm. like, yo, what are you doing, man? Oh, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just walking around. I was like, yo, <laughs> come in here and put a bridge on this song. I'm saying I need four bars. Put a bridge on the song. Right. Comes in. He does the four bars. He comes. I mean, he's a genius. He comes with the four bars. Fast. Wow. Boom, whatever. 
So I said, cool, we're going to rock with that. Jante pulls up, literally played a track for him one time. He's like, wow, I got it. He goes in the studio, he goes into the room and he sings the song down. Wow. <laughs> and I'm Crazy. like, <laughs> so I'm sitting in the studio like, oh, this motherfucker is, you know what I mean? I, I've been knowing Johnny forever, but this was like, this was like special. This was just a special night. You know what I mean? The way mm. all the things kind of came together. It was just a special night. You know what I'm saying? And we sent it to Kendu and Mary. And, you know, she cut it. I think she cut it that night. I'm correct. Wow. Um, and um, then, I, then, you know, a few weeks later, my man, you know, Chris was in the chat right now. Chris calls me. He's like, yo, so listen, man, Jimmy, want to talk to you again. So then I get on the phone with him and Jimmy. And he's like, ah, oh, I got to have Ron Fair touch it. And then the third. Initially, I was completely against it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, I don't want nobody touching my record. Like, I was going, like, I was very, 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 like, upset about Ron Fair touching my record, right? And then Jimmy was like, just trust me. Trust me. Ron, you know, I, you know trust me. Ron's going to know what to do with this record. So then they send the record to Ron. Ron writes these amazing, you know, he takes the string parts that I have already. Then he embellishes, he embellishes them and make, you know, just put this beautiful thing on top of the pads. And, um, and, and it was my first time seeing, like, Melodyne. Right. Mm. So, you know, we were able to take a lot of the vocals, not her leads, but a lot of her background vocals and yeah. use them in Melodyne and give it this lush kind of sound. You know, I had never seen anybody use Melodyne the way that, um, the way that, um, I never seen anybody use it, period. But the way that Ron and his engineer was doing it, it was just like, yo, this is. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, a believer, you know, after, right. you know, Ron touched it. And then I remember I was in New York working on a project. I was working on Joe. Mm. They were mixing Be Without You in L.A. They were mixing um, um, Ron Fair and Dave Pensada was mixing Be Without You in L.A. And I'm in New York working with Joe, but I'm waiting by the phone. You know what I'm saying? Because when from this, this is when right. they first when like there wasn't there wasn't emailing joints back then. It was called eNet, right? So you, you had to have like this this network in the studio. Each studio had personal networks, and they would send records through this thing called eNet. This was before you could just email songs back in the day. So right. I'm working with Joe, waiting by the phone. You know, Dave Dave calls me. They send the passes back and forth. We doing notes, this, that, and the third. And um, then I get the last, I get the last pass of the song, mm. right? Yeah. So I'm in the studio with Joe, but uh, I've been, you know, I had I had visitors all day. And this particular at, at this particular juncture, Akon, Devon Stevens, and Boo are in the session. We were just chopping it up. I get the last. I get the last pass and I say, yo, we about to listen to this new Mary shit. I just got the last pass, right? So press play. And all I remember is that after the song was over, you could hear a pin drop. Wow. So it was like, <laughs> Akon was like, yo, that is probably the best song I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Right? It was like, Okay, well, I said, play it again, right? So the Sam plays it again. 
And I'm sitting there like, yo. It's a, it was a moment that she was like, mm -hmm. this song is going to be bigger than anything that I can even imagine at this point. It was like the moment that you, yeah, I, there's many times you've, I, I hear mixes back and it's like, oh, okay, that's dope. And then it'd be a hit record, like, oh shit, it's a hit record. It's, you know, it's like, okay. We knew, we knew this record was like, oh, this song is going to be ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and it, it it shifted, you know, I'd already been working and making my name and, mm -hmm. you know, doing, you know, really good work on my own, really doing really good work with JD, you know what I'm saying? And we were making our names. I was making my name, making a name for myself. But Be Without You mm -hmm. was a moment that was just like, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me and Jante, it just was like, bro. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> bro, what is going on right now? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, you know, but it was, you know, people always ask, like, why didn't we, like, super capitalize? And, you know, and we did, I think. We both did in our, yeah. in separate kind of ways. You know what I mean? And at, and at the at the time, I had to, um, I had, you know, I had to figure out how I was going to get, you know, how I was going to capitalize, how I was going to work through uh, working with uh, these song deals. And so at the time, uh, I had been working with Adonis and I had been, me and Kendrick had already been working together. We did, we did the Destiny's Child, um, uh, Bad Habit. We did, you know, we'd already been working together. So um, I was like, well, yo, let's just, you know, Jaha was like, you need to go to L.A. Jaha and Chris, I need to go to L.A. So I was like, let's assemble a team. We're going to L.A. And that's how I ended up in L.A. that year. And we placed like 73 records that year. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. um, so myself, uh, John Tech, I'm, I'm sorry, myself, Adonis, um, Kendrick, D. Scants, um, we just like, and Sam, we just went out there and said, hey, let's go. And we just we started traveling around and we, and we was working like crazy. And it was just a really, really interesting ride. You know what I mean? An incredible journey. Dope, dope. And, and like I said, that changed the sound of R&B the next couple of years. Ballads were back on on radio stations, on pop radio. So mm -hmm. that was dope. Hey, Brian, are we close to uh, an hour? We might let have me to see. Restart. Let me see. What, 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 at the yeah, we are. Okay. They, um, they're saying an hour and four. What does that mean? I think, I think <laughs> we're past the hour. I don't know. Uh, All right. When, when it starts counting down, I'll let you know. All right. Sounds good. So, you know, like I said, those ballads was pretty much on every R&B album. Tyrese got to get you one of my favorites. Well, There's so many that come. That's one of my favorite jumps. That, like, that beat? <laughs> and Jonte, once again, like you have to just give, yep. you know, Jonte's a genius. I mean, I just give it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, got to get is one of my favorite joints. For mm -hmm. real, yep. real. You know and Danity came right for you as well. Good one. Crazy. Really, really good one. Crazy. Caught, caught, yeah. You know, they 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 wanted a vibe like that. Puff wanted a vibe like that. And we came up with it fast. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was just one of them things. You know, and I was super excited about, like, the the response to the song. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. Yep. And then one that, that didn't officially come out, I don't know who in the chat has heard it, but you did a couple on Chris on his second album. Yeah. Throw was on it, but Diagnosed with Love, yeah. that record right there, that should have came out. It should have been a hit. Diagnosed with Love didn't even make the album. You know that, right? It made like, exactly. the, it made like the international album, some shit like that. 
like yeah. Fallen Angels, like Fallen Angel was on, the, the, like he had some shit on that album that I don't know why they didn't use it. You know, we had Throw, right. we had Fallen Angel, we had Back to Back, which was Fire. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, literally that Chris Brown album that could, that, that was supposed to be, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think would have, I think we would have, I mean, he's still, of course, you know, he's still Chris, he's going to yeah. be with you, but I feel like we were on to something yeah. super special. And I don't know what happened, man. We were working, and then it just, you know, we did the movie. We did um, yeah. the Christmas movie. We, we, we did try, uh, uh, This Christmas and Try a Little Tenderness. And we mm -hmm. made all those songs, and then we were supposed to come back and finish. And then it just went a whole nother direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what happened. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, damn. You know what I mean? And they, and they, they kept throw, which I was, I was happy that they kept that song. Um, right. And then they put those songs on. They put uh, Fallen Angel and Diagnosed with Love on international albums. I was like, why didn't they put these songs out? These songs are crazy. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Fatal Attraction is another one. Fatal Attraction. Crazy. I mean, some, I'm telling you. It's like, crazy. Like, <laughs> we was in our bag. Like, I, I, you know, I would say me, Adonis, and Kendrick, we were in these yeah. camps. We were in our, we were in our bag. You know what I mean? And I feel like he could have R&B you know, you know that, that that's when the shift started happening. EDM started happening around that time. But I feel like R&B would have had a a, a lifeline. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Right. If yeah. Chris had stayed on that on that on that boat. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Now, two projects I want to talk about that I think are some of your best work. Might not get talked about a lot, mm -hmm. but the first one are the songs that you did with Joe on his two albums. Ooh, Joe Joe is probably probably the most it's probably the best artist as far as like just vocals you know what i'm saying just straight come in and just knock it out you know what i'm saying one take jake you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. Joe Thomas <laughs> one take jake baby like you know what i mean like like i don't think people really understand how good how good joseph thomas is you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, right. I, I just don't. I just don't think. I don't think people realize how good he is, man. That I mean, literally one take, Jake. He hit a song, and he'd be like, "I got it," and he'll do it down one take, and then he'll hit you with the once more, once more, and then he'll right. sing it again. Down, and you're like, <laughs> Yo, "This motherfucker is ill." You know what I mean? Um, right. Love working with Joe. One of my, I mean, to this day, one of my favorite artists to work with. Like, he's just a phenomenal, a phenomenal um, artist, you know, a phenomenal singer. You know what I mean? W one of our greats. You know what I'm saying? Vocally, he's unmatched. You know what I mean? And then the other one is, of course, Day 26. And what I love about Day 26, that was the group that you kind of molded yourself. Ooh, I love the that. progression love from the first album to the second album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you go from Since You've Been Gone to Baby Maker and songs like that, yeah. it was this crazy progression. Just talk about that work and that progression. Well, Day 26 was special to me because, um, you know, I was a part of the process. You know what I mean? I was able to yeah. sit with, with Puff and sit with Michael Bivens and sit with Lorianne and really, really help, not only help pick the group, but, uh, but help mold the group. And, you know, I knew when we did exclusive, um, um, with all the guys, because I think it was like maybe it was like fifteen guys at the time. It was the oh, that was the last twenty. So exclusive is literally the twenty guys that were left in the house, all right? Mm. 
And I remember, you know, <clears throat> figuring out who was who and vocally who was, you know, and I just was, I was, I, I just super impressed with what we came up with, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and uh, so that first album was like, so easy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was so easy. And anybody knows me and how I work when I'm in work mode. It's like, as you could tell, I didn't really, the reality TV shit, I didn't really get down with the shenanigans with the, <laughs> with the, you know, the only time people really saw me was when we were picking the group or we were mm -hmm. in the studio. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. um, and um, it's just, you know, one of them things is like, you know, the, I, 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 day 26 are always be near and dear to me. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it was just really, really dope to work with them. And then we got to the second album, you know, you know, the, the big time. The first, I, I, I got to say this too. Um, yeah. Day 26, that first album, because that first album has, are you in the, are we in this together on the first album, right? Yeah. So like, that first album, I would say when I I think that I did a public a co-publishing deal with with they know Aeon Clark back then he was known as Voice Alexander. Um, yeah. Aeon really helped me um, mold the sound right because I was mm -hmm. so excited about working with him. Like Aeon is a phenomenal songwriter and and he inspired me in so many ways. So that's how we made records like Don't Fight the Feeling and. Are we in this together and records like that because it was just like yo, um, um, Aeon was he just put energy he put like new energy into into me as a person. I was super excited about working with him, and he helped me mold um, that sound. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then Adonis, who was like the vet, came in and with records like since you've been gone. And, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and rounded out what you know what I'm saying what how important they sounded up becoming you know what i mean and why they're still able to tour to this day and all that so day 26 is i mean i i, I had an amazing time doing making a band I had an amazing right. time working with day 26 um and they're still my guys like i was with them in chicago for all-star like right you know they're my homies you know what i'm saying still, right still and, and and what i love and it kind of makes me sad about this era this is when r&b started trending downwards yeah. in terms of popularity. Yeah. But the progression in your sound during that time, it was that second day 26 album, Trey Song's One Love, mm -hmm. Usher's, Before I Met You. Usher's uh, Before I Met You. and Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because I, I, I got a call from um, Mike Karen, right? Because mm -hmm. we were doing Trey. And yeah. um, um, One Love was, you know, um, I, remember, I remember them playing One Love for him. And uh, he called me and was like, yo, man, I, I love where you're going with your sound. I love the direction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's just, you know, R&B was just shifting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, um, but One Love is one of my favorite joints. Before I met you, is like, I love where I, where I sat sonically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, it's kind of, I kind of feel like if I, if I had, maybe two years earlier started that sound. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. But 2007, 2008, 2009, it was just a difficult time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For, uh, for R&B music, because it really, sh I mean, EDM came in and just really completely shifted the culture. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and 
hip hop, you know, always was always there, but it just really, really, really shipped it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and that Trey record, you know, I was supposed to have like seven songs in the album. You know, we did a record called Patron. We had a record that was uh -huh. supposed to be him and Keisha Cole. We, and we had so many records, but they got leaked. This is the beginning of records getting emailed. Right. So a lot of the songs we were making for Trey got leaked. Right. And at that point, it was like a bad thing. Like, oh, well, the records got leaked. We're not going to use them. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's kind of what happened. And But, but mm -hmm. Brady ended up becoming one of Trey's, you know, big joints. You know what I'm saying? It, came, you know, it became one of his most important albums. One of them. You know what I mean? So, right. um, you know. Yeah. And then another one. You said Patron. I was going to say Emery's Red Eye. Same beat. But that production. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, if, if that had come out a couple of years earlier, yeah. man, that would have been something. And then, you know, to cap off that era, of course, Monica is still standing. That was like the last part of that R&B era. Yeah. You guys managed to get a hit album with that one. Yeah. Still standing. Uh, a lot of great records on there, Superman. Yeah. Just talk about that album. I know you had a big part in that one as well. Yeah, I mean, Monica's, you know, like, you know, our our sister. You know, she's 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 the you know she's the queen of it here. You know what I mean? And um, mm -hmm. and so when she called Chris, like Chris, I you know I need Brian to get on the shit. You know, <laughs> this that and the third, and um, we worked it out. And we started working, and she was doing a reality show at the time, so it kind of worked out because I was experienced, and you know, I did making a band, I did another school man band, I'd done a few shows, so it worked out that you know I knew I knew my way around music, real music based reality, and uh, so I, of course me and Donis and Kendrick went went in with the concept of literally um, trying to make you know it's Monica man we gotta we gotta come with we gotta come with that shit you know what I'm saying yeah. so. Um, like I said, the song is in the conversation. So Still Standing came from, you know, I know Monica well. And I know a lot of the stuff she's gone through. You know what I'm saying? So Still Standing yeah. came through, came from a conversation directly from her. And now, you know, Monica writes a lot of poetry. She, she's really into poems and she'll write like mad poems and then she'll text you with the poem. Like, I got this poem. And then you basically can write songs around, you know what I mean? what right. she's uh what she's experiencing or her concept you know what i mean so still standing was literally just you know her her you know her saying that she's been you know she's been through this and that and she's still standing you know what i'm saying and yeah. um and throughout that process we were able to get in and you know um and we me and jermaine made me and jermaine and cristal made love all over yeah um which turned out to be a big record so it was like you know uh um, but it's energy, it's, it's synergy, it's chemistry, you know what I'm saying? And we have, right. we have that, you know what I'm saying? We have that with Monica. Like Monica is literally like my, like my, like my sister in real life. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, you know, and she's one of our greats, you know what I'm saying? She's one of our greats, you know, you know, so, um, right. Yeah. It was a, it was a, that was a good time though. We did love all over in Vegas and you know, Monica was hanging out with us. They was doing the, Ocean Seven, you know, movement. You know what I'm saying? And Monica was hanging out with us yeah. heavy, and uh, she was coming to Vegas, hanging out with us. You know, and that that music was made during that during that period. Right. Yeah. Now R&B then evolves. It shifts. It changes. It's not necessarily the most mainstream genre. You're 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 kind of transitioning in your career as well. You start working with Genuine. Yeah. 
Last chance. Well, Frozen. I worked with Genuine before. Yeah, on Stingy. Yep. Direct, me and Jonathan did a red called Stingy on Genuine back in the early 2000s. So, yeah. we, you know, I, I, I was already, me and Genuine were already, um, we were already connected. We were already homies. An opportunity, right. he had did a deal with this company called Notify. And um, yeah. my homegirl, Ira, and uh, they put us on a, you know, they put us on a short list of producers he wanted to work with. So I was like, I mean, Genuine is sure. my dude. So right. we went and we made Last Chance. Um, yeah. And which ended up being a, a, a hit record. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm not surprisingly, but during that era, it just was getting R&B off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was so difficult. You know what I mean? Right. So the fact that we were able to get that shit off, you know what I mean? Right. Um, the last chance was amazing. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it was great. Yo, hold on. I, I got to go grab my charger. Because I think my shit about to die. Hold up, hold up. All good, yep. <laughs> Hope you guys are enjoying this right now. History lesson from beginning to end. <laughs> All right. Cool. My shit is about to die. I think my shit about to die. Hold up, y'all. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. I think it's about to die. So you understand, with me, with me and Kendrick and Adonis was on, you know what I mean? Like, we just was like, yo, man, you know, if we're going to be the last of the dying breed, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's go get bang, you know what I mean? You know, that's how I felt. Yeah. This thing's not charging up. Hold up. Nah. All right. So, yeah. yeah, so the last chance was one of them, you know, was one of them. Was one of them things. Was one of them. Was one of them ones that was, you know, yeah. it was a good one. It was a good Trick one. choice. Trick of choice was a good one. Trick of choice was that my joint. joint. Yeah, that that was my joint too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so after that era, you go into developing acts like Gotham City. Yeah, that was one of the acts well, that you developed. You know, I've been getting yeah. a lot of. Oh no, before we go into Gotham City, I've been getting a lot of questions in the chat about Dirty Rose and Dirty Rose. Yeah, I had early on. Um, yeah, my 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 best like you know, like my brother. His name is uh, Chase. Well, I mean, his real name is Trevor, but his name is Chase. Uh, yeah. Like my little brother, he came to me with a group. This is back back in the day, and you know, I didn't really understand, you know, exactly how to manipulate the business properly. It was early on, and I don't think any of us was ready or prepared. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Properly. Um, we made some really, really dope records. Um, but energy is everything. Synergy is everything. And, you know, we ended up getting a deal with Universal Records, and then it just kind of fell apart because the group was, there was some turmoil going on in the group. and Just a lot of stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I didn't really know how to how to manage it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? When things start, when turmoil starts happening internally, you're just like, man, I don't even know how to do this. You know, it improves, right? right? So after yeah. that didn't kind of, after it didn't work out, you know what I mean? I kind of swore off X, like, oh, I'm cool. You know what I mean? Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then down the line, you know, I, I'm Gotham City. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I meet the, the guys of Gotham City. Yeah. And we were, myself, JQ Smith, um, Greg Smith, Michael Winder, and uh, Carissa, Carissa Kendi, she actually the group that she was managing and we and, and, and working with, and they fell in my lap, and I fell in love with them. You know what I'm saying? I thought that they were just amazing. I thought they were going to be 
um, I feel like they were the proper the proper energy, the proper um, time. What you know, little did I know the timing was off, but I thought the timing was right at the time. Um, right. And um, you know, like I said, man, you know, you cannot uh, be successful in this business without having gone through some failures. You know what I mean? Right. Or some things yeah. that you felt like should have been big and should have worked. And it didn't work, you know what I mean, for whatever reason. And it's nobody's to blame, you know. It's just sometimes shit just don't work out, you know what I mean. Yep. <laughs> um, and Gotham City was was a, was a phenomenal group, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I feel like they had a look, you know what I mean. And you know, labels were highly interested, but once again, we're shopping an R&B group during an era where R&B is deemed to be really expensive especially a group yeah very expensive very very expensive and people have lost their 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 you know zest you know or, or their zeal for you know what i mean r&b you know what i mean so it's like talking to a brick wall when you walk into a room right um trying to get people to understand and yo listen this shit is fire i know that y'all think r&b is not working right now but trust me Mm -hmm. group right now you know what I mean and yep. you know um, people were interested but people just didn't you know it's just I think they ended up being like this is going to be too expensive you know what I mean mm -hmm. you know, right. four guys manager you cube I mean the whole I think they just, I think people just saw that the, the business had changed we right. didn't I didn't see what was happening to the financial Mm -hmm. um, you know, thing with 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 the music business. Yeah, I didn't see it at the time. I, I should have because it was definitely affecting my pockets at the time. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but um, I just you know, it, for a lot of labels, it didn't make sense financially. You know what I mean? Right. Even we were trying to get re, re up Day Twenty Six's deal at Atlantic, and you know, just financially, they we were everybody was at a disadvantage you know people just didn't want to invest you know what i mean right you know but yeah. they're all lessons man yeah, at the end of the day it yeah. leads us to where we are now in our life you know what i mean exactly and one thing i got to give you props for even throughout that tough period when edm was really taking over you never really compromised your sound the closest you probably got to an edm style type of record and i thought it was a dope record was danity kane's sucker for love that was like the closest that we got to that but yep. take me back to the era then where R&B starts falling off, EDM takes over, and now you're thinking on an R&B album beforehand, it would be 12 R&B songs on one album. Yep. Now you're only allowed to have six R&B songs I mean, on an album. The other six are EDM records. So your ability to get placements on an album, it diminishes a little bit. How are you handling all of this? Because you never compromised your sound, which we love, but how are you managing this financially emotionally well, just take me through the process i think ultimately this business is about relationships yeah 100 percent. you know what i'm saying so when you're friends with mariah carey and when you're friends yeah. with mary j blige and when you're friends with usher raymond you know mm -hmm. yeah it might slow down but you know you know at some point you're going to always have an opportunity to write some songs for somebody yeah you know what i mean how we survived through that you know it was just through our personal relationships with people that we came up with. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody was still making, those people were still making albums. 
So because they were right. still making albums, we always had an opportunity to make to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So right. um, it went so fast, though. I'm gonna keep it real. Like I, you know, yeah. I wasn't. I think back, and it was a, you know, a lot of personal things happened. So, um, um, you know, like I mean, I, I mean, I had a child. You know what I mean? Like all kinds of things happened. So when you're going through like regular life shit. It didn't really affect me as 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 much as people right. might think it did. For me, I, I had so much shit going on in my mm-hmm. life and my personal life at the time. Um, it didn't. It didn't. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it went so fast, man. I'm gonna keep it real. Like I'm thinking back. I'm like, you understand? Too. I just started doing other shit. You know what I mean? I started yeah. delving into other. Um, you know, just other shit. I started, you know, I always been a DJ, but I really had started jumping into DJing. Um, um, and I really started hanging out. I, I left like mainstream clubs, like you know, there was an era of us going to mainstream clubs and buying bottles and all that shit, right? And I went from there to just like, yo, I'm gonna start hanging out in East Atlanta, and I'm gonna start going to Sound Table and start going to. L bar and start going where music is where people are are inspired to play music and I was doing a lot of a lot of DJing shit in um in New York right so I was going to New York a lot DJing so that's why I connected with um um I connected with MOS and DJ Kiss is when I first started really building with like you know uh, D Nice started building properly with you know Martina McFly and I started really getting cool with with the DJs, you know what I'm saying? Like outside of mainstream, because I knew a gang of DJs before mm-hmm. uh, that was like running mainstream, like especially in Atlanta, you know, from, you know, super friends to affiliates to, you know what I mean? Um, uh, to, to the, to the core DJs. And, you know, I, I knew all in, but I didn't know a lot of these DJs that were, you know, these tastemaker DJs that were setting trends in other places that niggas that, I knew wouldn't go. You know what I mean? I couldn't get any of my friends to go to L Bar. You know what I mean? Without my celebrity friends. You know what I'm saying? Um, I could get all my close homies to go, you know, but I couldn't get like, you know, I couldn't get Usher to go to L Bar in 2012. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a thing. It was like I was in those places getting inspired. And it really put a battery in my back creatively. Um, And I met so many great people. Um, and during that whole time, I've, you know, I've always been into, into philanthropy. So every year I do my Grammy brunch. Um, and that kept me going too. As soon as I dove into philanthropy, that really kept me like going, you know what I'm saying? Um, and next thing I know, man, I look up this 20, this 2020, man. The years go by (laughs) so fast. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, okay. Exactly. You know, we're still here and we're still, you know, we're still, Willing and able and making records, we st- you know records on the radio again. I've been I've lived long enough to see the trend shift back. Yeah, I think what's cool is you know to a lot of common fans when they see that an artist or a producer hasn't been in the spotlight for a minute, the immediate thing we think is oh they fell off, they lost their talent, yeah. which isn't necessarily the case. But you know when you came back into the mainstream with that LMA record. Yeah. It brought you to a whole new different audience, a younger generation mm-hmm. that probably doesn't even really know 
who you are as a person, but they might recognize the work. Yeah. So when you see the response that Dangerous gets on social media yeah. and they don't know who you are, how does that make you feel? Is it, is it, I knew it, I knew this would be a hit already, or is it, wow, I can't believe they're connecting with this? I'm cool. Music is a universal language and people, um, people will connect to good shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I'll never stop making music. So right. here's the deal, right? The one thing that bugs me about the industry that always bugs me, especially when it comes to urban shit, um, mm -hmm. us, I mean, you know, just, just so you know what I'm talking about, a person yeah. like Max Martin could take five years off and nobody questions yeah. him. Um, yeah. You know, Dr. Luke can take, have him time, you know, time off, nobody questions it. Um, um, you know, our, our white counterparts um, mm -hmm. can take, you know, J.R. Rodham can take five years off and nobody is questioning yeah. his ability or nobody is uh, doubting his ability. Right. Um, the second Pharrell takes a year, two years off mm -hmm. making music, they want to write him off, and then he comes back with Happy. The second, yeah. um, you know, R&B goes through a drought. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. They want to write all of the, you know, all of the black creatives off. Like, no, like you mm -hmm. can't, you can't, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like how could you, you know? And it's really us that do it. You know what I'm saying? It's not right. because you understand. On the other side, they you know, they hold their legends up. They don't tear them yeah. down. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like we've, we, we've had a terrible knack throughout the years yeah. to, to you know, kind of just write our legends off. When, 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 the, when the newness, when the new people come in and they blow up, and now it's, to, it's the new. You know what I mean? Even executives, you know, become chart chasers and people that were your friends who know that you're talented. I was like, well, my man right here got the... um got the you know number number one record on the charts and I'm gonna go get him. I could go Beacox, but yep. hey, whoo, you gotta get hot, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. So um I just I just would uh, which is why I love what's happening with verses right now. Why I'm I appreciate mm -hmm. what Timbaland and Swiss are doing. Um because the the amount of appreciation that these creatives are getting now, um I'm really glad to see that energy happen. Um, because under normal circumstances, that we'd be written off. You know what I mean? They'd be like, when the last time so and so had a hit? That's really the question. <laughs> yeah. When the last time such and such had a had a hit? You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. You don't know what what that person is going through. You know what I mean? Right. If I got a friend named, I, I, I've I've uh, I spent a lot of time in Nashville, and I, you know, my first time, my first couple times going down there. I, I got a chance to write with this guy named Marcus Hummins, right? Marcus Hummins is a phenomenal uh, songwriter. He has multiple Grammys. He's written songs for Rascal Flatts. You name it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Marcus Hummins lives a very regular life. You don't see him. He makes yeah. his money. He writes his song. He writes his song every couple years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he be chilling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And nobody questions Marcus Hummel can walk into any office with a new song and they're going to take the meeting. Nobody questions <laughs> if Marcus Hummel is hot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he's just Marcus when he walks in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Toby Gad, the same thing. Like, Toby Gad, who's a phenomenal producer. Nobody questions if Toby Gad is hot. They're not going to take right. I mean, he's just Toby Gad. He's getting, you're going you're gonna to take the meeting and you're going to take the song. You're going to put it out. Nobody questions if he's hot. 
You know what right. I'm saying? But for us, it's always a question of like, when was the last hit you had? Like, you ain't hot. Mm-hmm. You, you, and it's always the question. I remember I had an argument with a, with a colleague of mine, a debate about a particular producer. And I, I mean, he was like, yo, this dude is finished. Like, he was just going in on this producer. And I'm like, right. how can you say that this guy's finished? Yep. <laughs> this guy is one of the most creative people I know. How can yep. you tell me that he's finished? Nobody's yeah. ever finished. As long as you got breath in your lungs and blood running through mm-hmm. your veins, you're not finished. What are you talking no. about? No. No. You know what it's I mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I, you know, I don't ever want to, you know, I, 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 just don't, I just don't like that. That's the sentiment we've had throughout the years. I'm just glad that Timberland and Swiss are doing their best to change the narrative yeah. and to show people that, you know, this shit is timeless, man. We are timeless. Yeah. We are the culture. We are timeless. And you can never count any of us out. Nobody. You know what I mean? You can't count none of us out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. And then to all the listeners, I just hope, you know, we love the classics, but you guys also have to check out the new music that they're putting out. Like Tim Kelly, he just did Sean Stockman's debut album. Fire. Sean sent me the album yesterday. Fire. It's fire. Yeah. Crazy. Fire, yeah. Tim and Bob, so classic right there. But you know, speaking of new music, twenty twenty, mm-hmm. you dropped the Usher record. Don't waste my time. Yeah. Going crazy right now. You're working on the album. Ocean album, yeah. We've talked about it before, and um, you know, we don't have a timeline on it yet. But a lot of people want to know about the song "Believe." Jermaine <laughs> and Usher played that record. Yeah. What is that song all about? Because that record is crazy. It's coming. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like um, I feel like now the the press is on. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I think I think that we I think that now we have to press the gas a little bit. I feel like people are asking for this music. They put out um the Lil John record today, the Lil John yeah. Ludacris record today. I feel like people are you know I feel like I feel like now they see that that yeah. it's a demand for it and it's urgent to get the album finished. But the album is fit, yeah. I mean from my perspective, the album is is very close to being finished. I mean we're like right. we're at the end of it. You know what I mean? I mean if, unless it's like let somebody come with, you know what I mean? Something right. ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? I feel yeah. like we're we're at the we're at the end of it. You know what I'm saying? And there's just a lot of great songs on the album. I feel like I feel like the Usher fans are gonna get exactly what they um have been asking for, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and what they've been talking about. And um we had a good time. We, we had a good time making making the project. We had, we have we have, you know, it's good because our synergy is good. Everybody's we're super right. close now. You know, we all, you know, if you you have a twenty year relationship with somebody, you go right. ups and downs. You might be close to some years, and some years I might not even talk, and this, that, and the third. Um, we're in a space now where we're all really in a we 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 have a really great synergy, and I'm excited about the music. I feel like. I feel like this album is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal Usher album. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that, I think y'all going to get exactly what y'all asked for. You know what I mean? In regards nice. to it. Um, you know, working on Division's album. The album's coming out on the 17th. Yeah. Um, been talking to Ella and Miko, so hopefully we'll we'll get that off the ground. Um, yeah. we've, been, we've been, you know, we've, we've been really talking about how we're gonna go forward. Um I'm working on Robert Glasper's new album. 
um, you know, he's already started, you know, making writing songs for it. So we're gonna stop, you know, once we get out of this craziness, you know what I mean? We're gonna start um, pulling together what his album's gonna sound like and look like. And you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just at this point in my life, you know, uh, I've always had fun, but I'm like having the most fun of my life right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's because there's no limit. First of all, when you get to a place where you really don't care about yeah. what other people say, um, that's some real free freeing shit right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get to a place where it's like, man, I don't even, I don't even care what nobody think. You know what I mean? I'm who I am, and can't nobody take away nothing that I've done or nothing that me and my um my team or my my colleagues have done and i'm super comfortable in my skin like super comfortable like i don't need approval from nobody so when you get to that place of life it is the right. most freeing you know what i mean right uh place to be you know what i'm saying so um i'm just excited i'm i'm really excited about this Usher album i think that i think that um some of our best work you know what i mean Love. and uh you know shout out to everybody i mean the, the project has everybody on it you know the dream is on it you know sean garrett's on it i'm on it jermaine's on it um you know we got we got we got a lot of really dope vibes on it keith really 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 dove in you know what i'm saying and really really you know committed to a and r on this project properly so um I think it's going to be dope as hell. You know what I mean? Love it. So you got, you got to promise me two things and then I'll take one question or a couple of questions from the audience because I know a lot of questions are rolling through. Yeah. First of all, you're going to promise me that that battle producer thing is going to happen with you and Rodney? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> me and Rodney have spoken. Um, we spoke like twice this week and um, I, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, you know, we, we're just waiting on Swiss yeah. to give us the date. It's going to happen. And I think it's going to be a great thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. All right. The second promise, you got to promise me that Usher won't change the direction of his album and have Max Martin take over it because oh, we're close. We're <laughs> so close. All, we're not going to. We're not going <laughs> to. I'm not throwing no, you know, no shade at all. Um, no. Max Martin's a genius. So I don't want to. Of course. I don't want to get there. But. The album is the album is it's gonna come out the way it is. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty much done, man. You know what I mean? Like um you know. I, I, you know, it's pretty much we you know, that 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 um we'd have to start all over. And I don't think right. I don't think no. he wants to start all over. Especially now since the we have momentum. You know what I'm saying? We have proper momentum and everybody knows he knows that everybody wants. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's one thing I want you guys to understand. Usher is aware of what people want. So mm -hmm. he's, this particular album is very deliberate about giving the people what they ask for. Right. He's, he's being very deliberate about it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like we're in a space where, as you guys can see with Sex Beat, we've had Sex Beat. You know what I mean? Like Lil John and them did that song. You know, they did that. Lil John and Jermaine did that song three years ago. Two, three, you know what I mean? They've had that song. You know what I mean? Um, and and there are a lot of vibes that are going to be on the album that we've had. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, nice. Um, so 
Usher's being very deliberate about this album. It's going to be fire. Trust me. You, trust me. You're going to get exactly what you what you want. Nice. And I hope everyone listening right now, watching, they go and support that album. This is what we've been waiting for for almost a decade. So go support it. So we'll take a couple of fan questions here. One that came to mind right now was, what was the song that took you the longest to write and produce? That was the most challenging for you? Because you've had fast records, yeah. records that you've written really quickly. What's one that took a long time? That we had to go back and do again. and Yeah. Um, or you just can figure it out right away. Um, shit, I don't know. We pretty much write the songs. Like, if they become difficult, we just, we, we know what? I take it back. There's a song that we're doing right now that we keep going yeah. back to. Um, they have, they keep, they, they keep, um, going back to this song. Uh, Jermaine has a song called, uh, with Usher called, uh, well, right now, tentatively, it's called Usher Party. And they keep going back to trying to change this song, you know, change the hook, change the, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of been a long, this has probably been the longest process of a song. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. um, for me, when I hear it, the, the, the first version is the best version of me. Sometimes you can't get better than the first version. You know what I mean? But, you know. Most of the songs, most times, man, we most times we nail it. Most times it's just like once you, once you start, once we start, it just it just keeps going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nice. Um, someone wanted me to mention Lee Cars the way it used to be. Yeah, that was a record. That was a crazy record. Yeah, that was a record. Uh, here's a question. Uh, we'll get to that Marcus Houston Circle record in a bit, but here's one that I've I've, I've always wanted to ask you. Produced so many hits. Do you ever in your mind because your your sound has evolved. Yeah. over your career do you ever look at a record let's say at like circle do you ever go back and say man i wish i should have added this to it knowing what you know now it's always for a record that always yeah always yeah. you always the only record that i don't ever that i don't ever in life question the only record that i think is the closest to being perfect yeah. is mary's be without you mm. every other song is always like damn i could have did that or damn i could have did a drop there or damn i could have okay. And you know, what I, mean? I could have used this, I could have used this progression versus that progression. You know, it's always that. I think the um, the the only song that to me that's the closest to perfect to me as a producer is, is Mary J. Blige's "Be Without You." I hear that song, and I don't hear no mistakes. It's like, right. you know, we were able to achieve as close to perfection. You know what I'm saying? Um, as possible with that joint, right? You know, right. Yeah. So someone wanted me to shout out Jonte or Nephew's song I'm yeah. on One. That was a major record. That was on YouTube, your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, Circle by Marcus Houston, Adonis, you and Kendrick put that one together. Yeah. Just quickly, I know we're out of time here, no, but just give us some background on that one. Well, I mean, like I said, the song is in a conversation. And I, that yeah. when I learned that working with Jermaine and Usher, I carry, I still carry it to this day. So when me, Kendrick and Adonis started working together very heavy, we adopted that that um, that technique, you know what I mean? So we would always talk, we would always, you know, have conversations about life and, you know, and we were living life and, you know, we were having fun, we were living life at a really high level, you know what I'm saying? Um, and Circle, you know, I, I, I've always had, um, 
I've always been like in my personal life, up and down with love, and you know, um, like we all we all have, right? So at this point, it was uh, it was a we were having a conversation about a relationship that I had been in, and while we couldn't, we at the time we couldn't really let each other go. We was going back and forth, and this, that, and the third, and he was like, "Yeah, something like a circle," and I was like, "Yeah, like a fucking circle," and then. <laughs> And then that's what prompted us starting the, you know, starting the song, you know what I mean? Writing the song. Um, and Adonis is, you know, once you give Adonis a concept, first of all, he's a, he's great with concepts, period. But once you give, mm -hmm. you give him a something to shoot for, then nine times out of 10, he's going to nail it. Like for my boo, like when he did my boo with JD and Manuel, it was, you know, Jermaine gave him something to shoot for. And then, he wrote my book, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's, um, that was an easy, that was an easy song for us to do because it was just like, like I said, through conversation, through conversation, the song lives in conversation. So, and that kind of segue, uh, we began a lot of questions about writer's block. Yeah. That segues to my writer's block conversation. The, the thing is that how we overcome writer's block is I do a lot of fucking talking, man. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do a lot of talking. I, you know, I either to my friends or, you know, I have a lot. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of close uh, friends that are women, and I, I will talk to them about what their, you know what I mean, ups and downs are about life and dating and shit like that. And a lot of that, you soak that up, you know what I mean? And so when it's time to write, you have something to pull from, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I I do a lot of talking. I try to do a lot of talking. Mm, love it. Yeah. And then the last one, well, someone asked Babyface or Teddy. I'm going to leave that to you because we're going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't answer that one because, I mean, no, they're, both, they're both my senseis, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to hear it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm pretty, I mean, I pretty much know every one of their records. So it's going to be a lot of people who don't know. Um who don't know who, who's going to have a, a real learning experience um, for this Teddy Riley babyface uh, verses. I think, I think you guys are going to learn some, some valuable shit. You know what I'm saying? Because um, they have to play some shit. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> play some shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Last question here. Uh, got a couple of Ashanti fans yeah. bugging me right now. I didn't actually know she was part of Noontime she was. until Joss told me. Ashanti's my dear friend. My dear yeah. Talk about that record, unreleased record, All I Want. I don't know. We, me, me and Ashanti have a lot a lot of unreleased joints. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of joints nobody heard. Um, just so Shani's, you know, Shani's one of those people. She's self-contained. Yeah. She's also a person that knows exactly what she wants knows exactly you know what i mean what she wants to do um she's a supreme songwriter you know what i mean and she's just she's just completely aware of what she wants to do so yeah working with ashanti is <laughs> so easy because you just you know you, you, we, we may talk we may have like some concept ideas but shani's gonna write it you know she's she's not right. she's not really going to be like in there you know, let nobody else write a story. Like, Shawnee's going to write it. You know what I mean? I think the name of her company is Written Entertainment. Like, that's her. You know what I mean? She's like, yeah. 
she's a she's a song writer first so right you know um and amazing and just an amazing person Shanti, you know shanti let me tell you what's crazy ashanti somebody who as long as i've known i've known ashanti shit probably since she was like 17 and as long as i've known ashanti she has been the exact same mm. just the same energy the same she's always has a glow about her laughing joking like ashanti's just super super special you know what i mean right so right yep yeah. all right someone's asking about yolanda adams you i think that's a record you produced um yeah i did that for a tyler yeah. perry movie yeah um um i mean i turned the master in i don't know why they hadn't put it out i mean they paid me so right. <laughs> i don't know why they, why, they, why they didn't put it out but um but um i mean i did we did that for a tyler perry movie and um mm. And, you know, I don't know why they didn't put it out. I mean, right. it's in the movie. I don't know why they didn't put it out. I might put that up on the SoundCloud or something at some point, too. So I'll, I'll let y'all know. Because, it, <laughs> you know, because it's out somewhere. I mean, they paid me for it. It's out somewhere. Right. Would love to see it. Well, Brian, that's all for now. That was an hour and a half of just great history. Yeah, the hits. Like I said, the album cuts, the leaked records. We talked about it all. Yeah. So, we're done here, but I know a lot of fans are still wanting to chat with you, so I'll leave you to that. But, Brian, I thank you so much again for always supporting us. Always, for always showing us love. Before you leave, we're going to give a big shout-out to Jonte Austin. Uh, Mr. Yep. Sinatra, he's in the building. He's, he, he's on the chat, so I wanted to make sure we shouted him out while you was on here. Yeah. Also want to shout-out RL from Next. He gave you a shout-out. He was just boy. on with us before you got on. He wanted to give you a shout-out. He wanted to let us know or let you guys know that this guy's a genius. B. Cox right here. So shout-out to RL. Dude. And also, while, while we in, I'm sorry, we got to go. While we in, Dre Harris, Dre and Vidal, he's in here too. Ooh. So Andre yep. Harris, who's a phenomenal producer and one of my like closest friends, and, you know, um, he's in the chat. So big shout-out to Dre. Um, and, uh, yeah, of course, they keep, y'all keep asking about this thing with me and Rodney. I told y'all it's happening, which means that if it's, if I'm saying it's happening, that means that I'm ready. So, right. <laughs> so that means that we're ready. You know what I mean? So yep. he's ready, that means that I'm ready. We're going to have a good time. You know, I'm going to put my tuxedo on. I'm going to have a champagne on ice. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have a good, good, good time. Um, yep. and you know, let's, 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 let's have a good time with it. Love it, love it. Appreciate it again. Once be, once again, B Cox, Dre, come hit us up. We need to get on a live with you as well. Mm -hmm. Talk that history, but B Cox, we'll talk again soon. We'll keep supporting everything you're doing. Just keep us posted and keep it up. No doubt. All right, man. All right. Take care. All right.